Hello and welcome to the Movies We've Never Seen podcast. This podcast does contain occasional strong language and adult themes. If you are averse to spoilers for the film that is listed in the title, please tune out now, go watch the movie, or, like us, stop at the intermission, watch the movie, and resume the podcast after. Thanks for coming along on this ride with us. Please enjoy. You once said that uh, you like to make an audience scream through technical means. What is it about an audience screaming that you like? Now, those are the kind of questions uh, that the film buffs like to ask. They expect an awful lot of the sort of material that I don't tell anybody. And it was a nightmare. It was an eye-opener. Ignorance. Sheer ignorance. You know, there's no confidence to equal it. I don't have any problem with enjoying a big blockbuster. I'm not a fascist of those boring art movies which when they are over you are glad that they are over and then you celebrate it just as a kind of a superstitious measure i will talk about it so that i don't have to see it again or whatever so in a way our our broadcast was an assault on the uh, credibility of that machine we wanted people to understand that they shouldn't take any opinion predigested and they shouldn't swallow everything that came through the tap we had uh, Orson Welles, Albert Hitchcock, John Ford, Howard Hawks, Roman Polanski. We had uh, Antonioni. We did, it was unbelievable time to listen to these guys talk. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Movies We've Never Seen podcast. I'm Mike and I am joined today by Anna. Hello, Anna. Hi, Mike. How's it going? Oh, you know, not too bad. <laughs> We've come here to talk about a movie, I guess. So, uh, not before just we... any movie. Oh well, we'll get into that in a moment. But before we do, I'd like to ask you your three favorite movies to kind of get an idea of where you come from on the movie spectrum. What you like, what you don't like. I guess. Well, in this case, what you like. I'll go first, just to give you what my three are. Uh, it is in this order: Casablanca, uh, and then Old Boy, and then Mad Max Fury Road. Mad Max is first, like number one, or Casablanca is first? No, Casablanca is the first. Okay. I would have to say, oh, oh good movies, by the way. Uh, all three of those are very, very good. And Mad Max is just something else. Have you ever seen that one? Yeah, that, that one section of Moana where they, they do the, they reference Mad Max Fury Road with like the little coconut sea creatures? Yes, I've been forced to watch that many times <laughs> by a child, so... Yes, unfortunately I've seen it, but that's... It's, it's a pretty good reference. They even have like the sort of like almost musical style that, do, do, that do, matches do, it. Do, do, do. The, um, no, okay, so my fa- my three favorite, in no particular order, are probably Quo Vadis. I think it's from like the mid-50s. It's like one of those sword and sandal epics mm-hmm. um, about like the early Christians in Rome. And then, oh, with the, with the beautiful Deborah Kerr. And then... My Big Fat Greek Wedding, mm-hmm. and goodness gracious, I would be tempted to say Ben-Hur, um, but I also like like My Neighbor Totoro, oddly enough. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's solid. One, that's yeah. a very drastically different list. <laughs> yeah, all three of those are like in their own vastly different category. I don't think there's much crossover between, well, I guess in My Big Fat Greek Wedding, she is pretty Greek Orthodox, so that's kind of close to early christmas but... well, i meant between your and my list but, you know <laughs> oh, no. yeah. i mean my list is fairly diverse too we, i mean we both have the we both have the uh you know the older film uh we've got the the you know i guess i don't know and then it sort of ends there <laughs> yeah there's 
doing nothing. Cool. Uh, so I'm going to read you a synopsis uh, for this film that we're going to okay. be discussing. I haven't seen it. You have. This is one yes. of your favorite films. Yes, I have. So I with... don't know why I didn't put it on my top three. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to read you a synopsis, and I'm going to ask you if it is accurate at all. So, a heartfelt seasonal comedy where a father tries to reconnect with his estranged son who works a job as a night guard at a museum by masquerading under wraps as the prized mummy exhibit that seemingly comes to life each night. It's the mummy. Not even close. All right, cool. A, a for effort, though. A all right, I, you know... There's some movie like that where somebody is... Is it maybe like a, Night of the Museums? I, no, that's not it. That can't be it. But he spends like nights at the museum. It's definitely so it's not like Night, night of the, the Museum. I don't know what this movie you're talking about is. <laughs> uh, so I've not seen it and it's one of your favorites. Yes. Um, Very I, formative to my childhood. Yeah, I, I kind of, on the whole action adventure front, I'm pretty staunchly just a... Oh, action adventure. You mean Indiana Jones. Are there other action adventure films? It's very it's very close to Indiana Jones, I would say. Yeah. Like, I mean it has that kind of same fun, whimsical, <clears throat> but there's also like at times genuinely terrifying. Yeah, but I mean that that's sort of where my headspace is. I mean, I guess the only other real action adventure film that I've probably seen that I really can think of off the top of my head that I, I enjoy uh, is probably Sahara. That's all. That is also good. Yeah. It's it's. I haven't seen that one in a while, and it's kind of off the wall in terms of its plot, but it it is it's very solid. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you count like uh, National Treasure or something like that as mm -hmm. an action adventure film, but that's more of a heist movie. No, yeah, uh, I guess so. It's like a heist adventure film. Like it's kind of its own thing. Ooh, have you have you seen Flight of the Phoenix? Uh, no, I have not seen Flight of the Phoenix. Yeah, it kind of. It has that same action-adventure vibe, but without that light-hearted whimsy. It's funny, because without having seen Flight of the Phoenix, I... Because that's got Dennis Quaid in it, right? Uh, it depends on what... I think there's an older version and newer version. You know what? Actually, come to, come to mention it, I might have seen part of the Dennis Quaid one. Yeah, it's got, like, Dennis Quaid, Giovanni Ribisi, which I, I cannot... I don't really like him as an actor, but he ha he does have like maybe one or two older things that are really good. But I didn't even really like him in this. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I might have it, seen it's, it. It's really good. It's that same kind of like, it's in the desert, you know? It's in the desert. <laughs> There's a plane. <laughs> is that is that like a qualification for action-adventure films? Yeah, they have to be in a Sahara, desert. Sahara, the mummy, you know. Uh, the Hidalgo. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hey, that's a good one. That actually is a good that's movie. That's a very that's good That's like one. the best horse movie I've ever seen. Not even Sea Biscuit. No, Sea Biscuit's a poser. I've actually never even seen Sea Biscuit. So. I I was forced to sit through Sea Biscuit at one point, and I didn't. I don't. I remember not liking it. I might revisit it one day, but I'm like, I don't like that type of horse film because I I had to sit through when I was younger. National I had to sit Velvet. through National Velvet and Black Beauty and a lot of those, and I'm just like, I just got sick of having to sit through them because my grandmother liked them and my sister liked them when they when she was younger and so i'm just it just makes me want to vomit <laughs> <laughs> um no uh hidalgo yeah it, i think i think hidalgo falls into the same category but it also i oh gosh it's been so long since i've hidalgo is actually a buddy cop film him and the horse yeah yeah Hidalgo also has a sandstorm in it. I feel like that's a staple of desert movies. Gotta have a sandstorm. 
It would, it, Hidalgo, I don't remember it having the same whimsy as the mummy. Um, but I remember it being really good and it's a very solid action adventure film, but the mummy has a lot more whimsy to it. It, I mean, it's supposed to be kind of like those, you know... Well, it's got the supernatural element of... <laughs> like those universal films, like the monster movies, like Frankenstein and well, this was the supposed Old to be and... Yeah, this was supposed to be kind of a reboot of the Universal Monster franchise, which it really it kind of did a bit. And to be fair, to be clear, <clears throat> we're talking about the Brendan Fraser mummy. The the real good one, not the, the whatever the How heck dare. Tom Cruise made. Oh, oh, oh. I haven't, oh. actually, I haven't seen You were seen talking about one. the Tom Cruise one. I was thinking, like, oh, you're talking about, like, the, the, the Mummy Returns, or, or not Remember. Oh, no, mummy those Returns, are good. But, like, like the, the old mummy Returns Universal and, uh, Mummies. The, I've seen those. The Scorpion King. Oh, and didn't they, the Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, wasn't that another one? Of oh, the new know. Brendan Fraser one? I, we're we're conf- we're going all over the place <laughs> on this. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put a hold on a oh, little bit of this, okay. and we're going to go all into right. trivia. All right. Because I haven't seen this movie, but you have, so I want to know if I can stump you with it. All right. So all let right. me go ahead and give you some trivia. Here we go. Question number one. The Medjai were supposed to be tattooed from head to toe. But director Stephen Summers vetoed it because, is it A, he was over budget and the makeup time was too costly, say. B, he thought Obed Fair was too handsome to be covered up. Or C, the tattoos would interfere with the green screen effects in post-production. Ooh, I think it, Obed Fair, I can't, is it Obed? Mm-hmm. I, he's a he's a pretty man, you know. I would I would say that one. That's actually correct. <laughs> yeah, I knew it. No, it's because yeah. he's like, oh, he's too beautiful he's to be too covered beautiful up. To be covered up. By though. the way, this was a uh, um, what was it? Nineteen ninety nine, directed by Stephen Summers. I forgot yeah. to mention that. <laughs> what else, what else has he done? Uh, he did the live action uh, Jungle Book from the early nineties, which actually slaps. It's the best Jungle Book. I have yeah, I have not. I may have. I think I've seen. It's the got trailer um, for it, but Carrie Elwes in it. Ooh, as the bad guy, he's a good guy. Well, yeah, I mean, like, not he—he's a bad guy in that, but he's a—he's a good one. Yeah, it's—it's it's actually really good. I have fond memories of that particular film, but I would like to revisit it. Isn't at some that point. like a weird, almost like Tarzan esque? Oh yeah, uh, it's very Tarzany. As opposed to be like young Mowgli, Jungle Book. He's like yeah, older. like he—he he like gets raised and he's older and he has like sort of a like ah yes I'm doing this yeah. thing as an adult now and i've been brought into society but i my 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 jungle roots are there and i've got to use all these animals to help protect her or the <laughs> maharaja or something like that from these british people or whatever it is i don't remember but i just have fond memories of it and that one was actually quite good uh he's done a few other things that were sort of in that vein i don't recall them right now but that's the only other big thing i can because i don't him really doing. know much of what he's done like he's not really i mean he's not really big in hollywood today right no, not that I'm aware of. I mean, we'd have to look to see, but as far as I'm aware, he kind of fell off after the Mummy movies. Yeah. Or at least well, this he did, Mummy movie. Well, he did the sequels, right? Those weren't somebody else, were I they? I think he did at least one of the sequels. Yeah. Anyway, but you're, you're, uh, you're uh, one for one there. Yeah, boy. So, here's question number two. A cloak worn by an extra in the film was later discovered to be the cloak worn previously by... Was it A, Ian Holm in The Fifth Element? B, Ian Holm's in The Fifth Element? Yes, Ian Holm is in The Fifth Element. Oh, okay. He's Father Cornelius. Oh. He's like a pivotal character. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. 
Bengt Eckerot in The Seventh Seal. He played death. Oh, okay. Or was it Alec Guinness in Star Wars, A New Hope? I'm going to say Seventh Seal Dude. Uh, Bengt Eckerot? Yeah. Is that your final answer? Yes. No, it was actually the cloak worn by Alec Guinness oh. in Star Wars. It was just some random, some random extra. extra. How did they find out that? I mean, is it how did like did Alec Guinness like have his name tag in there like on the on the tag or something? So it was from a like group a... in England that just does like movie props, and uh-huh. it was sitting in their warehouse. And I guess when they brought it back, um, because I think some people on the set were joking about how like ah ha ha I'm a Jedi or something like that. But then when they took it back, the people in the thing realized that, oh, yeah, based on the uh, on the rental history of this, this actually was Alec Guinness's uh, costume. One of his cloaks from A New Hope. Uh, So there's there's a lot of Jedi in this film. The the, the Medjai, the Jedi. It's it's close enough. enough, All right. Uh, So you are you're one One right for two. Yeah, one wrong. Uh, Here we go. Question number three. Brendan Fraser was cast due to the success of George of the Jungle in 1997. And also because director Stephen Summers said he reminded him of which actor that Summers had envisioned for the character of Rick O'Connell. Was it A, Burt Lancaster, B, Errol Flynn, or C, Steve Reeves? Who the heck is Steve Reeves? Steve Reeves played uh, Hercules in a lot of like movies like like sort of in the in the 40s 50s i'm gonna say errol flynn errol flynn you sure or is it steve really Reeves? errol flynn you're right it's errol yes flynn. <laughs> also a good one yeah yeah it was it was errol flynn uh so the that kind of gives me hope for this this film that it's like oh yes this is sort of a a swashbuckling it modern version of like an errol flynn film which i love me some errol flynn movies and it's also Maybe it's because I saw it when I was a little kid, but I would say there are some parts of it that are genuinely terrifying. Like, yeah, it's got that whimsy, but there are parts that like, oh, I recently saw it like a, gosh, like less than half a year ago or something. And I was actually legitimately scared. It was hard for me to go to sleep. Hmm. Interesting. So fun fact, this one was not a thing that I had I put in the trivia, but when I was looking up the trivia, I, I believe it was John Carpenter uh-huh. was the person who they had originally looked at directing this because it was uh i think they were wanting it to be like an actual horror film it, it, it was it was one of those it was carpenter or craven or someone of i that mean elk. they're like i said there are parts that are genuinely terrifying like a lot of body horror i mean you've got a mummy that's like i don't how how, how spoilery should i get you, you can get as spoilery as you All want right. there's a spoiler I mean... shield anyone who's watching this <laughs> Like, you know. Well, I mean, you you basically have listening this... to this because I'm an idiot. <laughs> There's, I mean, you basically have this undead, like he's this emaciated, like he looks like a mummy, right? Like you find in like a museum and he's trying to reconstitute his flesh. And so it's like this weird sort of like uh, body horror in the vein of like, um, what's uh, what's like hp lovecraft you know it's just like mm. this real sort of like yeah i mean there are parts that are genuinely terrifying and he has to get he has to reconstitute his body by taking it from other people like interesting someone's skin or their eyes or you know it's it, there are genuinely terrifying at least for you know when i first saw this when i was like i don't know when did it come out 99 i don't know maybe nine 
Yeah. I mean, eight, I don't know. Did you see it in theaters? Old, eight or nine. No, I didn't see it in theaters, but um, I think it's like, what, PG-13? Yeah, I think Yeah, I would have been too, lo- too young to see it. I think they actually ended up cutting it down to a PG-13 after an was R. Was it an R? I think it was, but I think it was only for, like, violence. Or because um, Rachel Weiss is just too hot. Yeah, there, there was actually a scene, I think, where she's, like, I guess, dunked in water in a nightshirt, and they had to uh, digitally enhance <laughs> her nipples out. Because she kept like, you know, as you enhance. do, well, I guess it's the opposite of enhance uh, for de-hance. that scene. They dehanced it so that they took her nipples out of <laughs> oh the scene because gosh. they kept showing through because she's in a nightshirt and she's getting like drenched and it's like a white sort of silk nightshirt uh-huh. basically or, or like a, like a very, I don't know. You've seen the movie. I don't yeah. know. Oh yeah. Like I, I mean, there's like a scene where they like get attacked when they're on a boat or something and they have to get <clears> in the water. Yeah, and so basically they had to cut that out because they were so obviously they did have to cut things out. Wow. So, but it was close to an verging so on. So wait, R. they were they, were they shooting for an R? I don't think they were shooting for an R. I think they had to cut it down because when they had originally cut it, I think it the censors were like, "That's a bit much for a PG thirteen," and so they had to cut some stuff out to make a, a, a PG thirteen. I will. I will have to say, Evelyn. I forget what her last name is in the movie, but her character's name is Evelyn. Rachel Weiss's character. She is very, she, she was like my childhood hero. I mean, Rick O'Connell was great and and all, but I really liked Evelyn because I was also kind of like a a very bookish, like wanted to be a librarian when I was a little kid. And so I thought that she was the coolest person ever because she was still like, like feminine, but she like could also kick butt. And she like, she loved, I also went through like a weird, I don't know, preteen Egyptology phase. <laughs> who, who hasn't, you know? Yeah, was that like your your preteen uh, uh, Minoan culture phase? Oh that you went no, through? no, that one was stronger. Oh, okay. Uh, the Minoan co- culture one was way stronger, and then there was also my Greek phase too. Yeah, everyone has a Greek phase, I guess. Greek, Greek mythology uh, phase. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I haven't seen Rachel Weiss, I guess, in enough stuff to really. I mean, was this like her big thing? Well, what else is she in? Do you know? Oh gosh, because I, mean, I I can't even in, imagine. Oh, she, she's in this this really funny movie with um. Jack Black and Ben Stiller called Envy. And it's the dumbest movie ever. And she plays Ben Stiller's wife. And basically Ben Stiller and Jack Black are good friends from maybe college. And Jack Black is an inventor and he invents something. And he asked Ben Stiller to go in on him, go in on it with him. And Ben Stiller turns it down because he thinks it's going to fail. And then it ends up taking off and Jack Black gets really rich. And so Ben Stiller is like really jealous of him and Rachel Weisz. Rachel Weiss plays his wife. Rachel wife. Rachel wife. Yeah. I don't know. I that sounds like not something I would be interested in. <laughs> it's actually in. pretty funny. Other than that, I honestly really have no idea what else she's been in other than the mummy movies. And normally that's the type of thing I would know, but I don't. Hmm. Interesting. Well, you are doing fairly well on this trivia. You're you're okay. a net positive. Nice. Let's uh let's go to question number four. Right. Uh, there's two more. Uh, there was a lot of trivia on this one, so yeah. I, uh, and some of them were too interesting to pass up. According to director Stephen Summers, how much did the average special effect cost for the mummy per shot? Oh my. Is it A, $25,000 per shot, $75,000 per shot, that's B, or C, $125,000 per shot? Let's go bigger, go home, $125,000. You are correct. It is $125,000 per shot. So like that's, that's not like per, for, per frame, is it? 
N- no, but it's like per, per like per shot before edit. So like think about like a continuous angle? single shot from a camera, right? Before it switches angles. Before it switches angles to another oh, shot. Oh man, that's got to add up fast. Yes. Well, with a movie called The Mummy, where you have an, a mummy. Well, this you know, there was a lot of special lot effects of in it too for the time. I mean, ninety nine was like that the time when you were just pre the big CGI boom that you had with and like where, Star Wars, yeah. the the prequel trilogy, and the uh, I guess even Lord of the Rings, where it was like here's like all these big special effect epics that are happening. Mm-hmm. Because even before then, you had like some movies where there were some special effects in it, but it wasn't necessarily a yes is a. A, this is a spectacle film. This might have been one of the first big ones, but I I don't I don't know that they had as many special effects as as they would in because there's a, there's some supernatural elements in it, but it's still an adventure film. Mm-hmm. So I mean, off to well, see. Well, it's actually not very lucrative to go into the special effects business anymore because there are some films that they will literally put the studio out of business because like the special effects studio out of business so it's actually it's the more effort you put into cgi the it it costs this that cgi studio a lot of money i can't remember where i read this but it was like maybe it was some film like um sky captain in the world of tomorrow maybe where it actually put its that little cgi business out of business basically because yeah, they... sky captain as phenomenal of a movie as it actually is flopped yeah hard and they thought it was going to be like a huge yeah. draw so it actually i can't remember where i was reading this but yeah it's actually not really worth it for a special effects studio to put a lot of time and effort into their movies because there's not that big of a return because it's so expensive you would have to have a mega hit like think like um what a workshop with lord of the rings those movies were so phenomenally successful that there was such a a big return for them and it was worth their time to put in all this effort but if you have like another smaller cgi studio if you have like if you're spending like a billion billion dollars billion trillion dollars on like what what is it transformers revenge of the fallen and then it's like not that big of a flop it's really it's a very high stakes career path i think yeah i mean i guess i mean you'll probably always find work in the slave labor camps at disney for their (laughs) (laughs) for their uh, not you joke but churning out their mcu (laughs) and and adjacent movies i wasn't joking (laughs) <laughs> neither am i it's just it's just the corpse of of uh walt it's not the corpse of walt disney it's a la futurama it's the head of walt disney mounted on top of like a of, of like a robot and he's just whipping anim- animators oh my gosh that thanos doesn't look convincing do it again it's like all like gordon ramsay he's he's now gordon ramsay uh where, where did you get that name? i don't know <laughs> It's just Gordon Ramsay's voice, but Walt Disney's head on a robot whipping animators, and that's the entirety of it. Oh. That's how that's how Walt Disney turns out all of these movies that they oh my do. Gosh. Okay, the number what is it? Number five now? Number six? Oh yeah. Oh, so you got that one right. So you're yeah. you're what three to three one? Three to one. Yeah. Yeah. So you yeah. There's five questions. So you're gonna you're gonna win this I'm gonna trivia. Ace this. And well, not ace. You didn't. You got one wrong. Dang it! I'm gonna be this. C. Yeah. D. So uh, question number four. During the hailstorm scene, 
What object was painted white and used for hail? Was it A, dog food, B, peanuts, or C, small pumice stones? Oh, I'm going to say pumice stones. C, pumice stones. Or maybe it was dog food. Uh, I'll say pumice stones. It was A, dog food. God, now that I was they, so close. They took and painted all of, like, just a, an absolute me? metric ton of dog food white so that they could then have it fall from Hopefully the sky. Hopefully they used, like, edible paint or something so they could turn around. And uh, they probably didn't. I don't think that they were that con environmentally <laughs> conscious or, like, not, not like even a, environmentally conscious. Not like conscious. Christopher Nolan planting literal fields of corn so he can drive a truck through it and then turning around and selling the corn for a profit. I had no that, Interstellar. That's Interstellar. Interstellar. Christopher Nolan. Yeah. I, they they really should have done the you know the Christopher Nolan cornfield trick and then just I don't recommend anybody edible... being like Christopher Nolan. I <laughs> use, dislike him. Use in his edible paint and then like sell it like certified mummy dog mummy brand dog mummy food. Mummy brand something. dog. That would actually be a really cool like shtick for like. Uh, like a collector's item. My mummy here. Yeah, it's like, oh, here's the. Well, I mean, they really couldn't do that because I mean, it got it was like in the sand and all that yeah, crap. Yeah, okay. Because it's, it's coarse uh, and it gets true. everywhere. It's uh, coarse. It gets everywhere. Uh. Anyway, so yeah, you that's were. That's actually a pretty profound scene. It, it is. It's a very good scene Attack and a very good movie. And Attack of the Clones. If, Hayden Christensen. If if anyone if anyone says ill of the prequel trilogy, <laughs> I will smack through this podcast. Amen to that. Anyway, so you, you you got you got three of five right, which is which is pretty good. So I had a question for you, and and I kind of was thinking about this as I was going through the prep on this. Was that, was this really, and I think Sahara actually came out a little later and so did like Hidalgo, like we mentioned earlier, but was this like really the, maybe the last real big sort of action adventure epic before like the whole big like sci-fi fantasy boom of the early 2000s then, which it's kind of like morphed into the comic book frenzy because I can't think of any, like Sahara was, I think. Oh five, and Sahara and Hidalgo never really got to the level of the Mummy. Yeah, they never were huge. Like the Mummy is like one that I have heard like people put up there with Indiana Jones. You know, it's not like they, it's not like oh yeah, it's just the Mummy. But it's like you know, it's the Mummy. Like I'm thinking, uh, like you know, obviously Indiana Jones, uh, like uh, Banderas's Zorro, right? Stuff like that, that action adventure sort of like. Oh man, yeah, Zorro. I think actually came out in the same year or the year. Was it ninety eight? I think it was very similar <laughs> of a time. It was like Banderas's heyday, which was early, like late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, Mask of Zorro and and Mummy are kind of in that same vein of that whimsy action adventure. With like serious at times, yeah, which is like exactly I laughed, like Indiana I cried, Jones. It moved me, Bob. You know, it it felt it felt like that. I would, yeah, I, I really can't think of anything that came after it. I mean, you had the sequels. Got that? Say, yeah. But they were never. They're kind of the same. The same. Anything outside of that franchise. <clears throat> um, gosh, even like nowadays, it's it's just all oversaturated comic book movies. I think, in my opinion, I don't think that there's a lot of. The Mummy was kind of. It's just so good, in my opinion. It it's got action, adventure, love, romance. It's funny. It's got body horror. It's got you know. You even feel sympathetic for the quote unquote villain, like the mummy himself. Mm -hmm. 
Like, even he has a very good, interesting backstory where you actually feel sorry for him. We'll, we'll see when we watch it, but... I don't know, because I was thinking about that, and yeah, I can't think of anything. I was trying to rack my brain for, like, what would be a big action-adventure spectacle. Because that was sort of the... Well, because, I mean, from Indiana even Jones had, like, on, Romancing the Stone back in the 80s, and or was it the 80s? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. You don't really have... I honestly can't... I mean, sure, I'll probably think about something later on today after we record this, but, like, I really cannot think of any other... Movies that kind of fit that same genre that really did it well. Yeah, well, I mean, like the 80s and 90s, that's when you had all those action adventure. I mean, you had the sci-fi through and through because of, obviously, Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And people tried to do kind of similar things here and there. Uh, but it really, the sci-fi, I think, boom and bust, or at least when we get into the modern... So I, I kind of like to, to divide everything into a few a few different things. So you have sort of the... The modern cinema, which was kind of ushered in by either, depending on how you look at it, whichever cinema, it's usually like a Lucas and Coppola with mm -hmm. The Godfather and Star Wars, right? They, which kind of diverge. You have Godfather, which is sort of the modern... Uh, drama. The modern drama, thriller, whatever. Not even thriller, but the modern drama, right? Then you have Star Wars, which is the the sort of the, the modern, the modern sci-fi, sort of differentiating it with like you know the buck rogers of of of, mm -hmm. of yore because you kind of stopped at that point you know sort of you move from westerns and sort of mm -hmm. gritty sort of just gritty the, films yeah. in the 60s like you stopped from having westerns and noirs in the 50s and 60s to having then like sort of big sci like 70s sci-fi well, and, don't, don't and forget horror that whole slew and of like like the monster universal monster movies of which this is well i'm just saying well i'm yeah. trying to divide it sort of things in so mm -hmm. you've got the modern era which i think really kind Started of runs with, with like star godfather wars. and star wars and it runs forward and and i would say that indiana jones is sort of in that vein it's sort of like that modern sort of uh adventure film that kind of spawned off of like the back of i think star wars and a few other things like indiana jones it's its own thing right but you have that era from the late 70s to pretty much i would say i would cut it off like 2000 2001 when lord of the rings mm -hmm. and uh so when you had lord the of the rings CGI and star era. wars right where you have the modern cgi uh sort of epic era mm -hmm. i mean you all obviously have other trends that are underlying but as far as like you know like popcorn cinema that mm -hmm. every like that the masses are going to go see like the big blockbuster films i think what you're seeing is like you there's a clear divide there and i think the mummy kind of came in at the very end of that of that sort of action adventure sort of where that was like a big thing because you have Indiana Jones starting it off. it's not quite fantasy either. And it's not, no, yeah. it's not fantasy. Well, because Indiana Jones has like horror elements. Kalima. Yeah, the the best Indiana Jones, which is the Temple of Doom, has that, that whole... scared the ever-loving crap out of me as a kid. Oh, it's so never... good. And the worst thing about it is that of all like, because every Indiana Jones movie has like its critters, right? You know, you've got... What well, you got rats in the third one? Um, what what is it in the first one? Snakes, oh, snakes! snakes yeah. yeah, you got snakes and then the and rats. And then you've got and the, the bugs. Those bugs! I I was terrified of that. Yeah, that was so terrifying. The most terrifying Indiana Jones movie, I think. And um, I think. Well, I mean, it had it had the horror. It had the whimsy. I mean, you had him parachuting out of a plane on a on an inflatable raft and then in living. the himalayas like, or somewhere in the himalayas remember, yeah. so like it, it's got the whimsy it's got the adventure it's got the romance it's got the funny sidekick uh -huh. in short round 
<laughs> uh, and it's got like actual stakes like that that one i mean i will again i'll fight anybody on this but i think temple of doom is the <laughs> best indiana jones film i do not like kate capshaw though i mean she she was in there because she was she's no rachel weiss evelyn yeah but i mean i think opinion. she worked for what she was she was like a nightclub singer who just yeah, happened so. to kind of like kind of an annoying diva with absolutely not a 1930s haircut at all or yeah. 1920s that that annoyed me so much yeah. They had to give her some sort of modern 80s haircut instead of like a 1920s nightclub singer. At the same time, I think she fit the role well. <laughs> she because did. she's supposed she to be grating and annoying. Role. Yeah. And that's that's sort of the point of her character where it's like, yeah, it's like, it, but but Indy, he's just this, uh, you know, just this horn dog who doesn't care. And so he's like, oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, I'll fall in love with this chick, whatever. She's hot, but she's annoying. Okay, cool great that's indiana jones in a nutshell right like he's got these other chicks that he like that he likes and you know there's the marion thing and there's whatever and there's the the nazi chick i I, kind of liked the uh the lady from um the last crusade i think she might have been my favorite the nazi (laughs) now you're making it sound bad the 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 love interest the love interest yeah oh uh i i had a thought um national treasure i would say is the last of those kind of action adventure with whimsy, in my opinion, because I, yeah, it has that same sort of whimsy to it that, and with action, I would say. I guess so, and that was what oh five something uh, like that. I want to say yeah, two thousand ten, somewhere um, in there. I don't know. Goodness gracious! Anyway, it's 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 the late two thousands, basically. Uh, you know, I think what sets the mummy and other things kind of of that same era like lord of the rings and the mummy what sets them apart from kind of the modern cgi epics oh the great wall that was another one i was thinking of kind of that action adventure it with matt damon and maybe oh pablo escobar whatever that dude's oh, name pablo escobar <laughs> the one the pa- cocaine, pedro pascal <laughs> the cocaine kingpin and also pablo action escobar. movie star pablo escobar no, Pedro Pascal. I think he's in that. It's like a, but it annoyed. Like people are like, "Oh, why are you having a white dude being like a historical epic about the Great Wall of China?" It was something about like he was some sort of like archer from a European army, and he and his oh, Spanish that movie. dude. Yeah, they came over. Like they they traveled to the Great Wall, and they like. Like Ramirez from Highlander, yeah, the, the actual greatest movie ever made. Frankly, R- Ramirez. You know, what I, I Ramirez. take I take it back. All three of my top favorite films are just all Highlander, <laughs> and its sequels. Just Highlander. Just Highlander. Oh my goodness! But well, that I'm... that one, I I have very low expect. I've never seen that one, but I have very low expectations of it. But Highland? I feel no, like... No, you've seen High... Oh, The oh, Great no, Wall. Oh, no, The Great Wall, yeah. No, oh. I love High- Highlander's great. I think that but... where, where I wouldn't say necessarily National Treasure, and I, I agree with you that it is kind of that action-adventure thing, I feel like it's more of a... It's a weird heist film with whimsy. Yeah. It, than, than an action-adventure film. Would you say it's film. actually closer to, like, Ocean's Eleven? Yes. It's Ocean's Eleven, but with a lot of whimsy in Nicolas Cage. Um, I don't know. Ocean's Eleven has a fair amount of whimsy. Yeah. It's good. It's good. But... I would say that generally speaking, when you have a movie like that, all of the, like when we're talking about Mummy, Zorro, all of these things, these are like sort of period pieces, right? Mm-hmm. Even Indiana Jones, which is set in the, like, 1930s, you know, the, yeah. the 30s and 40s, 
you have which i think the mummy is set it's set after it's in between world war one and world war two yeah so, so it's it, in the it's in the 20s he's a and world 30s. war one yeah. veteran yeah it's in the I 20s think. i think in 30s um Maybe so you have this like they're sort of of that era right they're mm-hmm. in that sort of turn of the century in between and around the wars and i don't know that i would call i would probably technically categorize it that way but i think that that's sort of a thing that these where i'm getting at is that yeah, the action adventure genre in and of itself is generally historical it's not yeah, set you in don't modern really have day a lot of, well i guess technically the closest thing to like modern day action adventure would be james bond movies but they don't mm, have the same that same probably fun whimsy about them i think i don't know i was gonna say born but born's a different type of movie. yeah no that's more mission impossible probably yeah is more the really modern like action this. adventure I, I just do not like tom cruise i don't know if he like peed in my bed once or something but i really i do not like tom cruise as an actor i agree I mean, with you and i've never seen any movie that he's been in that i actually liked him in except for tropic thunder when he was heavily oh, prosthetic yes. and i liked it better when i didn't know it was him i thought it was sam well, Rockwell when i when i didn't know it was him and then you finally realize it's him at the end and that was really good because i i literally thought it was sam rockwell and i'm like yeah, oh sam see, rockwell's yeah, being like out there and goofy i like i like you know like when he plays zaphod Beeblebrox. did you know he had like prosthetic hands yeah in that? yeah he it, he was completely Completely prosthetic. They give him like these gigantic meaty hands. It's we don't negotiate with Terrence. That's the it only role so that I've good. ever seen him in that I like. Yeah, that that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, and I, I didn't even really like Tropic Thunder all that much because I'm not a comedy person. It was okay. Like it had its moments, but like, yeah, he was the only good. Like that was his only good role in my opinion. Yeah. At least that I've seen him I, in. Because totally every time I've ever seen him, I just am. I just get turned off by his acting if you can call it that i just do not i can't stand him and i really don't want to see the new mummy with tom cruise Mm. like i just i i had no desire i mean i was kind of excited when i saw they were making another one and the moment i saw it was tom cruise i was like nope nope it's gone The, the magic's gone i i will say i think the big difference between i i would even put kind of lord of the rings in with mum the mummy in terms of things of that era and i think what really differentiates them and makes them feel much more fun than the modern popcorn movies is their extensive use of practical effects like mm. the mummy i mean there was a fair amount of cgi obviously because there, well, there was in lord of the, the rings too but i mean itself more but, so in lord of the rings frankly yeah there they was had... way more practical effects i yeah. think in lord of the rings but i think i mean they had like a hundred like Polynesian like dudes. Like actually, like be Urukai. Like you they know, forged they armor just... for all of these men. And <laughs> Peter even... Jackson has an actual army. <laughs> and even when they were using special effects and CGI, they were really going the extra mile. Whereas nowadays, kind of like how he was saying how it's expensive to do CGI and it kind of, you know, people would rather not put that much effort into it. I feel like the CGI of that era, even though that was what, I don't know, 20 years ago now or something? It feels about yeah, the same as 20. it does now. I mean, The Mummy is, what, 22 years old? I'll I'll say that I think computer-generated gener- computer effects they peaked were better in like 2005 five. Five or seven. Like with Sky Captain. <laughs> whenever, whenever Revenge of the Sith came out is when it peaked. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That movie, I think That's you could hold that. That's 2005, right? It's I think 05 or 07, 05. somewhere in there. No, it's 05. Is it? Yeah. 
it, it really did peak in that era, I think, too, because, like I said, it's just so... Now, unless you get, like... I mean, some of the Marvel it's movies not do worth look it okay, from a but financial standpoint to put a lot of effort into it, like the stuff, it hasn't gotten any better. I think. Uh, yeah, honestly, it hasn't. At like, least substantively. Jar Jar Binks and Gollum, like you, the, you don't. They were revolutionary. Like, if you watch like a Marvel movie now, it just—I mean, it's kind of fun to watch in a popcorn movie sense, but it just feels so cheap in a way. Like the CGI, you you know that it's Whereas, you expect the CGI and you kind of know it. But whereas back in the day, it was revolutionary. It was cool. They put so much effort into it. Well, and to compare like the Marvel movies versus even the Star Wars um, prequel trilogy, they used a lot of models and props and physical, like they used more than people think in those movies. Like a lot of the starships were actual models. You know, there's just a lot of physical props that they did, but it was very seamless and it all it all worked very well together in most respects whereas like literally all you have in most cases in a Marvel movie now is it feels soulless because you have you well, have a guy actors... who is in a motion capture suit even if he's just a regular character. Oh yeah, you know, we're going to mocap your your costume on later. You just have him with his face makeup on or her face makeup on and then they're just on a green screen. The it's the like the time. all like almost all the Marvel movies are just filmed on a green screen. Whereas with the mummy Wait, I mean there were a lot of that Lord in of Star Rings, Wars and Lord of the Rings. They're but... actually out there. Like like the scenes when uh, you know, I bet you, you know that one scene in the two towers when they come across the flaming like the the smoldering pile of Urukai corpses and they think Mary and Pippin are dead and Aragorn like hits the, the helmet. I'm pretty sure if that was like a Marvel film, they would have just CGI'd in a burning pile of like, I don't know. I think they, I, I think, think they probably, probably right. would, but it felt real. I mean, like Viggo Mortensen, like even broke his toe kicking a helmet. Like he was, it felt real. They're actually interacting with real things and with real people and they're in full costume. Whereas like yeah. nowadays it's just, green screen and the mummy has that same vibe of like yes it's wacky yes you have a gigantic you know floating face made out of sand like that's obviously you yeah know, you can't really do a practical effect i mean there. i wouldn't but you it still feels fun and real it yeah. feels like they are really there i don't know i mean i wouldn't necessarily lump in lord of the rings with the mummy it's a different feel but i i get in where you're coming like from CGI, in that like, that's what i, mean. I, I mean, think if i'm classifying a film it's obviously completely different but it, in yeah. terms of like practical effects and stuff i okay. feel yeah cool well i think that with that said do you have anything else before we go and watch this movie and give it our initial rating oh um the one dude the uh evelyn's brother played by the one you know the scottish dude from Trainspotting. no i'm joking you and McGregor? Um, no, no, I don't think he's. Wait, in, I don't think this dude is in um trade. Oh no, he's in like Sliding Doors, that one weird rom com with Gwyneth Paltrow. Anyway, I can't remember his name for the life of me, but he plays Evelyn's brother. He is a very he is a very good comedic relief because he actually is useful to the plot and like he actually pulls his weight in terms of like. I don't know action, beating up bad guys and stuff. Mm. I, yeah, he's good. I, okay, I just wanted to throw Jonathan Freeman. No, Jonathan? I I don't know. Oh, his name is Jonathan in the movie. I just have cannot remember what he is. 
Anyway, we can always look yeah, that up. But uh, anyway, with that said, what obviously you've seen it. So what's your your tentative rating before going back and watching it again, which uh, could change, obviously. I mean, I give it a five of five. A five I of five. really like The Mummy. I am going to a five of five what's? Pliskins? Snake Pliskins. Snake yes. Pliskins. Yeah. Uh, so you're giving it a, a perfect five of five Snake Pliskins. I think that with everything said, I think I'm going to like it, honestly, because it feels I very Indiana will. Jonesy. I've seen The Mask of Zorro. I've seen all the Indiana Jones movies. I've seen Sa- I've seen Sahara. I like all of those. I don't, I don't see that this movie is going to disappoint me. I might be surprised and say that because, honestly, I think Brendan Fraser, if I was a dude who liked dudes, basically, I think Brendan Fraser's, at that point in his career, much more of a snack than Harrison Ford. Um... Good. I think I like. I think Rachel Weiss is a snack. Well, I like I said. I'm. I think that I will probably like it more than I'm giving it a rating for. But I'm gonna say with everything I know about it right now, I think I'm just going to enjoy it and not really be crazy about it. So probably three point five out of five Snake Pliskins. Well, we'll see if we can bump you up there. (laughs) (laughs) Those are rookie numbers. Those are bump those up. Uh, So that said, uh, we'll see you guys on the other side. Ciao. Well, if it ain't my little buddy, Benny, I think I'll kill you. <laughs> think of my children. I don't have any children. Someday I might. Shut up. Imhotep dared the god's anger by going deep into the city, where he took the black book of the dead from its holy resting place. You came to ask me about Hamunatka. How do you know that the box contains Hamunatka? Because that's where I was when I found it. I was there. Many men have wasted their lives in the foolish pursuit of Hamanatra. No one's ever found it. Most have never returned. You will kill all who open this chest and assimilate their organs and fluids. But you probably won't live through it. Unfortunately, no. But I am proud of what I am. And what is that? I am a librarian. Yeah, well, because she's not so lost. When Ramses destroyed Syria, that was an accident. You are a catastrophe! What's the challenge then? Rescue the damsel in distress, kill the bad guy, and save the world. Well, I guess we go home empty-handed. Again. I wouldn't say that. Hello and welcome back to the Movies We've Never Seen podcast. I'm Mike and I'm here with Anna. Yo! And we just got back from watching The Mummy. Woo! From 1999, directed by Stephen Summers. What about his cousin, Stephen Winters? The podcast is over. I'm quitting. <laughs> and I'm I'm giving up. I'm hanging up my podcasting fedora. <laughs> I'll be here all night. No, you won't, because we're going to shut the recording down. <laughs> anyway, so to recap, you've seen this movie before. Yes. It is one of your favorites. You have just been making me watch this movie, twisting my arm to do it. <laughs> you rated it a tentative five out of five Snake Pliskins, which I'm assuming is probably going to hold true. And I rated a tentative 3.5 out of 5 snake pliskins i don't know really what to say about this movie other than it was that you absolutely loved it and it's the 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 classic 
the classic 1999 movie, The Mummy, which you you couldn't imagine yourself doing anything other than just rewatching this. That reminds me of that, and and I maybe I'll put it in the show notes. But there was a uh, I sent this to you before. We oh, watched the this. bumper sticker! It was a bumper sticker. It was oh, honk yes. if you would rather be watching the 1999 <laughs> classic, The Mummy, starring Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz. <laughs> and that was the whole I honked the so whole hard. bumper sticker. I'll have we'll have to. It re- it is, it is a classic. It's a classic. I think so, but no, no. You know why it's a classic is because things nowadays have like that blue kind of color palette, that kind of like metallic blue color palette. Well, it still has like that nice warm ish older color palette. Dude, I I see this all the time, and like when you're watching like um like Midsummer Murders, for example. The older Midsummer Murders, the good ones, are in that kind of like warm palette, kind of, you know, oranges, reddishes, radishes, yellow, you know, all that. But the newer ones, like the newer seasons, once they switched out the one main dude, they're all in like these cold, unfeeling blues. The mummy, the mummy is in that nice warm palette. So it's got to be, it's got to be a classic. I mean, I won't deny that. I don't know that that's the qualification for being a classic because <laughs> I can probably I think, think so. of a few movies that have been made that <laughs> I would not deem classics, but also have that warm color palette. Um, I'm looking well, at... Well, I'm talking about like recent classics. So like modern-ish movies I think versus that... like early, early modern, like early 2000s versus later thousands. Yeah, well, and that was what I was going to say, because I think that that was the blue tint was sort of endemic of the whole 2000s. Later 1000s? No, it was early, like, after... Technically, this is late 90s. Yes, but I'm just saying, like, after Lord of the Rings and Star Wars, everything kind of started getting, and even before then, and I wonder where this kind of came from, started getting that blue tint, because you see a lot of early 2000s action films having that sort of blue Hmm. tint. Like, the one that I can, that I really, it feels very 2000s to me, the perfect 2000s movie, right? It's just the, um... The Underworld series. Oh yeah, yeah. Like yeah, throughout the two thousands, like tent. it's it's that. So maybe it's a late classic. Maybe, I don't. Okay. I don't know. Okay. No, but it felt like a nice, warm, cozy blanket. It felt. It felt. It made it feel fun. You just. You just are. You just like this movie because <laughs> you have a crush on Rachel Weiss. She's a lovely lady. <laughs> I. I wanted... And she's a librarian. Mm-hmm. That was actually pretty funny. Yeah. I think that the the comedic bits that this that this movie hit, like as far as like the standard action adventure movie, it hit the comedic bits really well, and it hit the actiony bits fairly well. Maybe it hit the comedy bits a little too hard in places. Eh, I mean, I guess I'll give you that, but it, the thing that surprised me on re-watching it was I forgot just how scary it is like I mean it's not like granted it's not like a horror film or you know like really something terrifying but I forgot how much I actually kind of like watch it through my fingers like you know turn my head away watch it through my fingers when especially when he's when you know when they're in like the crypts underneath like you know the mummy burial place and he's still like that half congealed you know 
what, what do they call him? Like, he's still juicy or something when they first came across his mm-hmm. corpse. Like, I forgot just how scary those parts are for me. Like, I was even, even though I've seen this a billion times, I still watch it through my fingers. I wouldn't say that it's scary. I think that at this it's point... It's like the good, you know, um, what what is it? The Universal Monster movies. It's the good kind of scary. Mm. Not like the terrifying existential horror, but like... The, you know, the good, fun popcorn scary. It does feel more like a Universal Monster film yeah. than a... It's almost like they reused some of the sets. Well, it is kind of like they took a Universal Monster film and they, like, mashed it together with Indiana Jones. Yeah. Which is, like, I think it was... Which is beautiful. It was good in that sense. I don't think it was as good as an action-adventure movie as the Indiana Joneses of Uh the world. And to say the Indiana Joneses of the world, I mean literally the Indiana Indiana Jones Jones. series. Specifically uh, the Temple of Doom, because that's the best one. Dude, that that is... Speaking of another thing like that scares the the poop out of me, like the Kalima... I still... Like, I had nightmares about that as a kid. Yeah. That was legitimately terrifying. That is kind of scary. And I also don't like bugs, so that yeah, also... Yeah, that would, that would I would much help. rather be in the pit of snakes. No, I'll... I <laughs> will, will you know what? Bugs. I'll take the bugs. I'll take the temple full of bugs uh, for, for 2,000, Alex. Uh, and then you can be in the uh, in the crypt full of snakes. That's oh, okay, fine. Okay, I'll take the crypt full of snakes. I like snakes. I hate snakes. <laughs> I have that in common with Indiana Jones. Not much else, but that is the one thing I have in common with him. Um, you know, uh, I, I don't know, but I think that you're right. It does feel like a Universal Monster film at points, and it does feel like an Indiana Jones movie at points, but it doesn't quite feel like it hit those marks. I think it's a very it's very unique in what it was trying to do, and I think if you're trying to pigeonhole it, I think you could just put it in that action-adventure category. But it does have all those other elements. Like, it does feel like it could be, you know, like, oh, man, at any moment, Bella Lugosi could show up and he's also just a vampire. And there's this mummy, too. The, the bad mummy thing about versus it. Mummy vs. Vampire. Is that, is that the sequel to Alien versus Predator? Uh, Prequel? Yes. It is Alien versus Predator versus Mummy versus Vampire versus Freddy versus Jason versus Kong versus Godzilla. <laughs> That's the movie we want. <laughs> it's an ensemble cast. Yeah. <laughs> if you're looking at The Mummy from the lens of action-adventure film, I think it, in just that lens, I think that it kind of does fall a little short because you have those comedic beats in Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. They were much fewer and far between, generally speaking, but they were sort of that dry, wry, like, like, charismatic charm thing which there was definitely much more humor in the movie there was a lot more almost even slapstick at points yeah uh, especially with the character of benny and, and even what was his name jonathan the brother oh yeah and the brother yeah like yes. when he pops out of the sarcophagus with the mummy yeah there's a lot more of that in general in this and i think that it is it is a very it's its own kind of thing it is a monster movie but it is also an action adventure and it is also and genuinely terrifying at a few points. It can be. I think it didn't really get me because I come from a lot of horror movies. <laughs> like, and it didn't quite get me because one, the effects were very dated. Yeah, because I mean, this is we're living in a post Jurassic Park world at this point. Like, you think like the bars set a lot well, higher. Okay, so Jurassic Park, even even like after Jurassic Park, a lot of 
stuff, stuff didn't, didn't yeah. look that good. Well, and even like Lord of the Rings was just right after it. Yeah, like, Lord of the, the Rings and the original Star Wars and, Fellowship and the, of the Ring trilogy. Yeah, Fellowship of the Ring came out two years later. Oh, and you know, The Phantom Menace came out that same year. Nineteen ninety nine, right? No, I think it was two thousand. It was. Anyway, it was. It was, it was around it was that right time. There. Which I mean, they would have been working on that. But then again, I mean, this—that's sort of, I guess, the the difference is that those were done by this sort of premier studio of the day, mm-hmm. which was Industrial Light and Magic. They were the ones who were always on the forefront of every sort of like like technological breakthrough when it came to at least cgi and stuff Mm -hmm. and i still think that if we go back and look at even almost the same year like i said the the star wars prequel trilogy phantom menace you look at those effects versus the effects in the mummy it's like the effects and i've said this on so many podcasts so far we've only we haven't released that many we're not even through a full (laughs) year yet but I've said it on so many episodes so far, at least in so many recordings, mm-hmm. that the Phantom Menace and those prequel trilogy uh, of Star Wars and the Lord of the Rings, they hold up so well and in fact almost better than most other special effects oh, yeah. movies nowadays, at least in comparison. Now, there are some things they've polished up, obviously, like the full motion capture. Um, like if you look at Jar Jar Binks versus like... Uh, Gollum. I, Go- well not Gollum but I was trying to think of something else that was a full mocap thing I guess maybe and it's one that I haven't seen yet but maybe um like uh Caesar from the Planet of the Apes oh yeah like if you look at those two just from the previews and stuff it doesn't look that much different yeah frankly even though there's like I don't know what, 20 years t- in between 20 years in between whereas like if you look at what was happening 20 years prior to the Phantom Menace you you never see stuff like that or well, stuff to that extent no because really you only ever had like computer generated effects like early 90s yeah and and again i think jurassic park was sort of that peak of the hybrid modeling animatronic animatronic and and other stuff because you have other movies of that era too that were done by the same studio that weren't even as good Mm -hmm. i i think that that kind of took me out of it a little bit as far as for the scariness of it Mm -hmm. i just was like man this is bad (laughs) it looks like it's the equivalent of what i would imagine like um you know like if i went to go watch sharknado or piranha triple double d it's Oh my gosh. It's not that bad. To be fair, if I'm going to see Piranha Triple Double D, I'm not going for the special <laughs> effects. I'm going for the gratuitous Whoa. piranha violence. Oh yes, yes, yes. Right. What else sure, would you think? Sure, sure. Yeah, what else? obviously. There's nothing else in that movie but gratuitous <laughs> piranha, piranha violence. violence. Um, uh, <laughs> no, but it, it's not that bad. I mean, compared to the other stuff that was going on at the time, n- yeah, you, no, okay, like, okay. Yeah, it's pretty bad. But it's not as bad as Sharknado. Come on, you gotta give it that. I I think I'm going to <laughs> go after I'm done with this and I'm going to You're gonna go see Sharknado. Side by side the effects of Sharknado and and the the specifically looking at just the mummy model. I feel so attacked right now. <laughs> this is a personal attack. <laughs> um It might as well be. This movie is so core to who I am. <laughs> Well, and that's not to say that I don't like it. I think it's a fine movie. And honestly, I think that it's, it's sort of... It's a great popcorn movie. It really is its own thing. It's a fun, sort of not too deep, like you can kind of forget what's going on. He's a popcorn movie. Maybe like, it's also a good party movie, in my opinion. Mm, 
it's not quite as it's it's pretty schlocky but it's not like super like crazy and out there mm-hmm. i would say without having seen any of like the other sequels and stuff of it i would say probably like it feels like you know you would probably instead of doing this you there are other movies that would be a much better party movie than this this is more of like hey let's get together and watch the mummy because mm-hmm. you're excited about watching the mummy because it is genuinely pretty decent Whereas a party movie, in my mind, I define it's something it as you can comment on and you can riff on, comment on, make fun of, and it has the occasional fully, good yeah. fun sequence. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be. Honestly, I feel like party movies are better when they're bad. <laughs> yeah, or at least when they are like when you can skip parts and not necessarily miss it because either the movie is so easy to understand or it's so crazy that you're never going to get it anyway. Uh, my, my two big examples of this are like Big Trouble in Little China. That's a great movie. Oh, that is a great movie. It's a great movie. But you could miss a lot of it and it you could still have fun <laughs> with it because no matter where you... T- you know, like if you put your head down to talk to somebody and you put you bring your head back up, it's still just it's still zany. crazy and good. Whereas like if you watch something like Troll Two, <laughs> it's always bad, and no matter when you look up, it's always going to be bad. But you so, know what you've signed okay, on so for. Side sidebar here: Why Troll Two specifically? Was Troll One just kind of like mediocre bad? I've and actually 2... never seen Troll One. I've only seen Troll Two, and yeah. I have to assume that that's the case. Now, how many trolls are there? I don't know. Troll the only three, one that matter. The only one that matters, as far as I'm aware, is Troll Two because that's the one everyone <laughs> cites as one of the worst movies ever made. <laughs> but it also has like one of the biggest cult followings for being so bad. It's literally one of those like in the same vein as like uh, I guess the uh, Tommy Wiseau's The Room, mm-hmm. where it's like yes, we know this is bad but we love it sort of deal, right? <laughs> like we fully understand. We have, we've read the contract, signed the waiver. We know. <laughs> um, I've never seen Troll 1 because no one ever offered to see it or made me watch it. I watched Troll 2 in college at like a Halloween party and it was like, it was, it was bad. It was bad. It was bad, like, but it was no fun reason. to be there with people who were like, hooting and hollering and laughing at it who knew what was going on right whereas like the mummy i think does deserve at least some of the praise that it gets for being such a nice like a good overall film but i don't think you can put it in like a pantheon of like greatest action adventure movies or greatest monster movies at least to to me i i think there are a lot of other movies that would take that spot for me obviously the indiana jones films like even i think i liked i probably as a movie as an action adventure movie i would almost even say like uh, sahara and james wan's aquaman i found was a better like action adventure film now talking about genuinely scary james wan's aquaman there were some parts where you could definitely tell that james wan was a horror director yes like when they're diving off the ship and they're like the piranha like all the fish people or you know was that just like was that just a pre like a like a sequel to piranha (laughs) where they're going into the trench yeah i think that that's actually like and honestly that's almost a hot take probably that like that aquaman is better at least in my mind is a is a better action adventure film but i think that this movie had a lot of like character to it that i don't i haven't seen in a lot of other films right it has a lot of heart it does and that's Normally, when you're saying something like that, it's sort of in a negative connotation. I don't think so in this case. I think it's it really is that it is a good, fun movie to watch for almost anybody of any age that can handle it, right? If you're old enough to handle the scares, then anyone can watch it, right? I mean, the scares are, I think, 
it is actually like slightly gory at some points. Like I, it, it's surprisingly gory for such a lighthearted film. Mm-hmm. I like a lighthearted action adventure film. Like Sahara doesn't have that type of gore. In no, it. no. It yeah. Doesn't. Like there are definitely some horror elements to it. I would say. And like, I don't know the way that the, the people get sucked dry when he's trying to, you know, the four guys that got cursed yeah i mean yeah, the, I mean, the that fact that the guy was walking scary. around without a tongue or eyes for a that bit that was a little uh, yeah, that's a little or at the much. beginning when they're like doing the the sacrificing and oh, the murdering gosh, yeah like the and the guys being mummified alive that would give me nightmares that was like one of my reoccurring like childhood fears was of being mummified alive like who's going to have how's that gonna happen to me in current year tm like but still, you know, who, who knows? Like, I mean, you'd be surprised what 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 crazy. Oh, <laughs> uh, never happened. mind then. But um, like, yeah, you know, I, that it it scared me. Like, and like I said, it's like the fun horror, not like the terrible like French extremism horror that you know makes you cry. But like mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. the kind of the fun to be scared, like you watch it through your fingers and you think it's great. You know what I mean? It's like y- y- you like being scared by it. And I I really, um, another point is that I really liked the relationship, the brother-sister relationship between Jonathan and Evelyn, Evelyn, Evelyn. I don't know. This is one of your favorite movies. Yeah, Evelyn. Yeah, it's Evelyn. (laughs) Evelyn and Jonathan. Or as he calls her, Evie. Evie. Yeah, Evie Evie and Jonathan. I really liked their, their rapport, and I thought those two actors worked really well together. I thought, honestly, I thought everyone was very good in the role that they played. Yeah. I don't think that there was anyone who, like, that sort of didn't fit, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. I think the, the only one that I really had a problem with at a certain point was the whole, like, Brendan Fraser and Benny sort of dynamic, where it kind of, like... I thought that was kind of funny. I, it was funny. I, 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 I like that. It kept kind of going on, right? You don't have any kids, but I could. Yes, I I did like that. But I think that it kind of got old after a while where it was like, it it overstayed its welcome for me. Uh Because I'm like, if they would have stopped that, like, after he started, like, really, I don't know, at a certain point, like, even after he started serving the mummy, like, he was kind of like that goofy dude other than, you know, and Brendan Fraser was sort of almost treating him that way, the same way, it felt like, and they had the same dynamic. Whereas, like, it, it felt like Brendan Fraser should be like, no, no, this guy, we, he just needs to go. We just need to actually kill him. <laughs> well, I mean, he did try to kill him at a few points. Well, nah, I didn't really. Not really. Yeah, yeah, it was more intimidating. It was kind of limp-wristed, <laughs> if I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> it was just mostly threats and like, you're going to get yours, Benny. Like, okay, g- cool. Um, at this point, Benny's basically the villain. <laughs> oh, or at least man. the, the, hu- like the, the sort of human death, villain. Yeah, Being alive by scarab beetles. Yeah, well, which, I guess he did. That's Benny the one thing that I okay. That's the, the that's the plot hole that honestly got me the most. So early on in the movie, when they're talking about the scarabs and like them eating, oh, when they first open up, where his, it's like, his oh, sarcophagus. he was eaten alive over the course very of like very slowly, slowly. Yeah. and then every time after that, it's literally these are these are just six legged piranhas. <laughs> yeah, to bring it back to, <laughs> to piranha. bring it back, we're circling back. Yeah. They were they were just all piranhas, and it's like wait wait a minute, and then like the one where it crawled under the guy's skin, and it's like I think it was also the fact maybe the the 
volume of piranhas because there weren't i mean they they jumped they dumped a bucket of piranhas on the mummy when you know when they first put them in the tomb but that's not this a single bucket of scarabs is not the same as like an entire you mean piranhas did i say piranhas you've been saying piranhas <laughs> land piranhas <laughs> land piranhas <laughs> just land. I'm gonna start calling scarabs that for now. Land piranhas. Uh, I think that honestly, <laughs> or no, it I was... should call piranhas sea scarabs. Sea scarabs. It was all like generally speaking a similar volume of scarabs. I feel in <laughs> any in any situation. No, 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 no. A single bucket of par- scarabs is not analogous to like an entire conference room. <laughs> I don't even know what to call it. You too. you would call the. <laughs> That's a very big difference between a tomb and a conference room. What, what else am I going to go? A giant open right, space right. full of gold? I don't know. Well, you know, some conference rooms, maybe. Um, look, which one would you rather be in? Would you rather be in a conference room full of piranhas? Or, no, no, let me finish. Would you rather be in a conference room full of piranhas or in a, or in an ancient tomb full of scarabs? Or, uh, you know what? Let me throw this backwards. An ancient tomb full of piranhas or a conference room full of scarabs? Which, which combination would you prefer? You know, being in a conference room full of piranhas implies that the piranhas are just flopping around on the floor. So I'm fine with that. They have legs. (laughs) So do I. I can run. They have. There's me- no water. They have. They have. They're but useless. But these piranhas also have like, like land just, gills. Just call them scarabs, man. No, you've been calling <laughs> them piranhas, so I'm gonna call them piranhas. When when Benny gets eaten by the piranhas, that that kind of bothered me because it's like, no, he should have just been. It should have been the ending. Should have been, a, like ten minutes of screaming in the dark. And then I would have loved it. That's horrifying. That totally takes you out of it. You don't want realism. (laughs) I do. (laughs) But no, that that was the part that kind of got me where I'm like, huh, these scarabs are eating these people pretty fast when they've already established that they don't. Yeah, I mean, like, no, okay. So are you talking about like when they're going down the hallway and they just kind of gloss over that one dude and when they leave... He's like, he's bones. He's bones. Yes. Well, okay. They've got more important things to do. Okay. It's kind of like when you're like trying to eat really fast before you got to go somewhere to, I don't know, an amusement park or whatever. Maybe they knew that they had like a, an appointment <laughs> to meet their cousin, the piranhas. <laughs> at, a, at Piranha World. <laughs> he's no. just like, whereas like, if you're going to be sitting down for like a nice juicy meal, like, like you got a filet mignon and a twice so baked you're potato saying, and you know, you have nowhere to be afterwards. You're just going to sit down. You're going to take your So what time. you're probably saying is that, that the, par- that the piranhas, <laughs> the piranhas that were at the beginning of the film put into the tomb <laughs> with like Imhotep. Of, it's just like a bunch of fish flopping around. In his- <laughs> this is a Monty Python sketch. Well, uh, we're sorry to say, but you're going to be mummified. But not just mummified. <laughs> with going... piranhas. With piranhas. What? Don't you mean scarabs? No, piranhas. <laughs> I can hear Eric want... Idle saying it, like, right now. <laughs> no, piranhas. <laughs> like, And then they, like, John Cleese walks in straight-faced with a bucket full of piranhas just, just flopping out. Like, just every once in a while, it's like, flop, 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 and then just out. <laughs> and it's, you know, piranhas, uh... <laughs> And they pour them over, I guess, I don't know, like 
like, like, uh, I don't know, uh, what's his face? Uh, Terry Gilliam or something. <laughs> or, no, or Terry, no, uh, um, not Terry Michael Jones. Palin. Yeah, Terry Jones. They pour him over Terry Jones. He's, <laughs> he's like, like, what he, do you mean piranhas? And he's like, he's protesting, but not really making much of an effort to get out of the situation. Yeah, he's just like, <laughs> is there some way that I could, is there paperwork that I could do? Did I, did I misfile something somewhere? And he just doesn't nope, know. It looks like you've uh, crossed every T, dotted every I. <laughs> Yeah, all set for the piranhas. The whole premise of this sketch is just is just Terry Jones trying to figure out why <laughs> he's being mummified alive, and then and then piranhas are being dumped into his tomb, and like at the <laughs> end, it's something really dumb. I want to watch that sketch now. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna email. Are you gonna resurrect what's it two two one third of Monty Python at yes. this point? Uh, I'm going to send an email to friend of the show John Cleese and see what he can do. Oh I'm gonna gosh. pitch pitch to to John Cleese, friend of the show. Shout out. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> this sketch to see if 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 this would fly. But no, no but... I that bothered me a lot. Now again, that's kind of a minor thing, but I'm like. But like I'm saying, you know, you take your time with a nice juicy meal. But if you know you got to eat and run, you just scarf it down. I guess. Maybe like, they had the somewhere piran- to be. Where, the piranhas. Where Scary. were the piranhas going <laughs> that they had to be? Like, they're just piranhas. They just eat until they're not hungry. You know, That's where time, they have to be. I'm going to be so, you know, jumbled in the brain by this conversation that the next time I watch The Mummy, I'm going to be like, where are the piranhas? I was promised piranhas. Piranhas. <laughs> piranhas. So I want to I wanna ask you a question because I know exactly <laughs> what I'm going to say to the answer of this and if you say the same thing and steal my thunder you're never coming on the show again but what else do you have to say about about this oh we never talked about um i wanted to hit men uh, briefly brendan fraser yeah i i think that honestly i i like brendan fraser in this and i wish that he was in more things well i mean he was unfortunately blacklisted in hollywood because he um yeah, do you remember hearing about all that? Like he he wouldn't he, worship Moloch. Yeah, basically he he forgot to sacrifice his weekly chicken. Yeah, uh, but uh, no, he was um, he was sexually either assaulted or harassed by a producer, and when he spoke out of it and tried to either press charges or just bring it to the forefront, that producer had him completely blacklisted. Yeah, I know. I knew a little bit about that, or at least I heard about it, um, which is unfortunate because, like I said, I think that he. Now again, to compare it to Indiana Jones, I I think I like sort of the, as far as like the comedic timing and the maybe even physicality of Brendan Fraser. I like him more than Indiana Jones. He definitely wasn't quite as like suave. But there was kind of like a. He had a he had a charm that was very much his own, and I feel like we could have gotten a lot he was, more yeah, great I, films from him. He he definitely fits that bill of funny, funny romantic action leading guy. Yeah, like specifically an emphasis on like action comedy. Yeah. Yeah, I... He fits that really well, while also having kind of like the straight man slash, you know, edge to him as well. Because, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, he's not like Jonathan or Benny, but he has re- he has really good comedic timing. And it, it was fun to watch. He, has he was a, perfect he gives for the role, me, in my um, opinion. He gives me Cary Grant vibes, honestly, in a <laughs> sense. But a much more physical 
version of Cary Grant. A physically rugged Cary Grant. I don't know. Cary Grant's got quite a chin clef. Well, I know, but I'm just saying, like, as far as the roles that he's done, mm-hmm. right? I, I mean, I think Respect that... Respect the chin clef. True, but I think that Brendan Fraser... chin. <laughs> oh my gosh. Piranhas. Is that like the musical artist, why cleft chin? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, why does he have a cleft chin? That was a dumb joke, and I'm sorry. I apologize. Yeah, not chin clef. Clef chin. <laughs> oh my gosh. Chin cleft no, no, is, a, is an actor no, from no, the 1920s. Okay, no, it's not even really a, a chin clef. A cleft chin. Oh okay, my gosh. look. A cleft chin. It's a more of a dimple, right? Yeah, like if you're talking about a cleft chin, that's like, uh, what is it? Uh, Michael Douglas. Yeah. That's like that's like the Grand Canyon. <laughs> Oh my god! It's like someone. It's like okay. So so you've seen obviously you've seen Adventure Time, right? Yeah. You know, like where they have the the pictures of like whenever their butts are really small. It's like it's like if Jake the dog like when in those scenes where he has like the small butt. It's like if you put that on his chin. That's what that's what Kirk Douglas's chin looks like. That's how much of a cleft it is. It just looks like a small animated dog's butt. Are you sure that's not a dimple as well? It might be a dimple. I mean, it is, I mean, I guess if you're calling it a cleft chin, it is literally cloven in twain. That is. <laughs> Does that mean it's not kosher? Because, like, you can't have cloven hoved animals. I don't think eating humans is kosher either. Oh my We've gosh. gone off the rails. Okay. Um, so anyway, the mommy. I liked, I like Brendan Fraser in this, and I wish they'd do some more stuff, and he didn't get blacklisted. That's all I really wanted to say. Oh, what were you saying, like, the thing that I Well, would... I, I had a question, I had two questions for you. Well, one, but I wanted to ask you, what other thoughts do you have on this movie, or questions for me about this movie, since you've seen it and I haven't, before we go on? So, I personally think that this is kind of a movie that if you're watching it for the first time, you really should be seeing it with someone. Like, it's the type of movie you want to sit down on a couch, you want to have a big old bowl of popcorn, maybe a pop, you know, something to drink for the saltiness of popcorn, and you want somebody there with you to snuggle up with and go eek whenever, you know, the creepy guy gets his eyes sucked out, you know. That's fair. That, that, that's my thing. Like, you, it, it's, it's a movie that's meant to be shared. Sharing is caring, and what better way to care for those that you love to then to watch the mummy with them i can think of a few things but not many um <laughs> i the I, mummy I is my love language i agree i i think that this movie you don't want to watch it alone but i think it's not a giant like group movie i think you're right it's like it's a small intimate like you know maybe family night movie oh or, yeah or like maybe a not with little kids because i think no but i'm just like you know you, you're not gonna watch this with a group of like raucous like young adults right yeah you could you could but there are I, like i said before there are better movies <laughs> there to are do that you with. know troll two but potentially with, troll one jury's still out yeah but with with like watching it by yourself like there are a lot of movies that i would watch by myself and have but this rewatch like, factor it has a great rewatch factor if you're watching it by yourself I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see if I ever rewatch this movie, um, which I maybe would. Um, I have no desire to watch it at this moment right now because I've already watched it. But I mean, you just aren't filled with like a constant throbbing desire to rewatch The Mummy. I'm filled with time. a constant throbbing desire for piranhas. No, you aren't. Piranhas. You mean scarabs? No, I, I said what I said. So my question for you, if that's your kind of your last sort of thought on it. I wanted to ask you, what would you double feature this movie with? 
Ooh. You know, okay, I'm going to be, this is just me personally, not like as a general life suggestion for other people. My Big Fat Greek Wedding. That's a very you movie, though. Yeah. It's like your favorite movie. Here's why. Rewatch factor. So this is like this is like a <laughs> like a girls' night, you know. Like a girls' night Paint with our like nails, one or two drink other some white other claw, chicks. Watch my okay. big fat Greek wedding and the mummy. No, it yeah for me it's all about the rewatch factor. Like my big fat Greek wedding, I could watch that again and again and again, and I would never get tired of it. And it's just you know it's a comfort food movie. Same thing with The Mummy. I could rewatch that multiple times and just have a great night. And it also gives me that same kind of lighthearted feeling. I'm not like watching some thriller or existential horror movie that's going to, you know, freak me out. It's that same sort of lighthearted, fun, rewatchable movie that I'd watch, watch again and again. And if I was going to do a movie marathon, I'd probably put those two together. Now, if I was... For other people, oh, you should watch this and this. I don't know, maybe Sahara. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I you know I like the thought that you put into that. Um, and the exact or amount Moonstruck. No, the exact amount of thought that you put into your thought on why you would watch it with my big fat Greek wedding. I'm going to put the exact opposite amount of thought into it <gasps> and say Piranha 3D. Yeah, because they both got piranhas. They both have piranhas. I don't see what, it's obvious to me yeah, at this point. Yeah, it's like point. Piranha Night. And so you basically, you watch this movie, and then they're both kind of like, one is a ridiculous action movie with a ridiculous premise, and the other is a very serious movie about surviving piranha attacks. <laughs> you know what's funny is only one of these two is realistic. <laughs> it's the movie about piranhas. Yeah. <laughs> Only one of them is set in real life. I kind of like, that's the thing, like, is that I, the, the only through line in that is that things get eaten by smaller things, right? That's <laughs> my like only qualification. you can fit a lot of movies in that category. There are a lot of movies that fit that, but I think in this case, I, I'm not going to put any more thought into it at all because, like you said, I think that's, yeah, that's where- a great that's where the mummy. There. That's where the mummy becomes a party movie. We're going to watch the mummy and then more people are going to show up as time goes on. And then we're going to put on Piranha 3D. Uh, Isn't it three double D? Well, there's three D and then there's three double D because there's two. Uh, And I think there's just maybe Piranha. There's there's like three or four of them, I think. Um, They all run together. I've I've seen the first one, uh, which I think might be Piranha 3D. Um, I haven't seen Piranha 3 double D. Honestly, it looks kind of fun. (laughs) <laughs> but I do think that that would just be kind of like, all right, that would be one of those ones where it's like, here, we're going to do a double feature and I want you guys to guess what the through line is. Oh my gosh. And make a game of it. Yeah. And then it's like, everyone just gets it wrong. And you're like, no, it's because these small little fucking piranhas are just eating people or scarabs <laughs> or whatever they are. Who knows? Land scarabs. Sea, sea. No, sea scarabs, sea land, scarabs piranhas. land piranhas. Yeah. Oh my um, gosh. Anyway, that's, that's about all I've got on that. So unless you have any other thoughts on, I guess, <laughs> Piranha or The Mummy? I think we basically covered it. What what are you giving your final rating on this movie? Gosh, I feel, okay, so I'm going to do this objectively and subjectively. Objectively, I would give it four out of five because it's not necessarily quite to the level of like Indiana Jones 
but it's really fun. So I would give it a four or five objectively. Subjectively, my personal opinion, five of five. I mean, that's really five all we're of, asking. Five full red-blooded snake pliskins out of another five. Ready to not give a damn about your president. Yes. Just, just fully there. All right. Yes. I So I gave it a 3.5 before. I don't know, honestly... I kind of want to change my my rating. I was very optimistic. Not very optimistic, but I was optimistic about it. And I think that just in watching it, it was fun and nice. But it never really moved me in the way that, like, I, I, I liked a lot of the things that went on. I think it was a, a generically good film. But I don't think that it was ever really... I don't think that it's necessarily one of the greats, right? I think I'm going to have to come down just a little bit because of the mostly just the cheesiness of some of the mm-hmm. special effects that kind of took me out of what should have been sort of a hybrid horror film too uh-huh. and i think some of the the interactions that were just a little bit too over the top comically for me that overstayed their welcome mm-hmm. especially like the whole benny thing and and some of the other like the brother being a little bit too funny all the way like through i think that those like if it was one or the other as the the comic relief character but this movie had three almost four comic relief characters really uh or two all of them were absolutely necessary they were all good i think they were good (laughs) at what they did i think it was just for my personal taste maybe a little bit too much if you're looking for an action adventure movie maybe look somewhere else but if you're looking for a really good confluence of funny funny action adventure and a little bit of horror here and there and you like that sort of fantasy element in it then yeah definitely this is this is good i'm, I'm not gonna say it's bad but i'm not gonna say it's the greatest movie ever that's why i'm saying it's a three i i would it's solid and i would probably i wouldn't say no if someone ever mm-hmm. said hey watch this again with me maybe not for i think that's actually a pretty big compliment maybe for a while i would say you know what, let's not watch that but like in the future i would say yeah if you ever asked me hey mm-hmm. you want to watch the mummy with me again i'd be like yeah sure i'll take it yeah so anyway that's where we were unless you have anything else um i did think of something else the magi oh they can't be very good at their jobs that was the other thing that was the other big plot hole and i forgot because we started talking about piranhas uh (laughs) the magi were very bad at their jobs dude you know when they first came in and they you know they shot the place up and they're like you all must leave this place if if Imhotep was really that dangerous and they were really so concerned and had spent thousands of years protecting their graves, no, they would have just killed everybody there rather than risk here's, him rising again. Here's, Not here's, just say like, oh, enough blood's been shed. We're going to like, you know, you just we're going to take your word for it that you're going to leave. No. Yeah. So like, here's the here's the, the big problem that I had with that. And to kind of take this play by play, right? Um, and then we'll stop. That was one of the things that bothered me so much because you have a group, you know, who predate potentially a lot of Christian religions, uh-huh. right? Who have been literally here in this desert, probably generation to generation of fanatics who have they carried this story. They tattoo their own faces. They tattoo their faces. They tattoo their body, probably writing the stories on themselves in these ancient scripts, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have these interlopers come in and, you know, who knows what other crazy crap they've done. And they're in the middle of basically dusting them up and killing them all off, right? And then Brendan Fraser lights some TNT. And what should have happened 
is that they all should have laughed and gone, ha, 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 ha. That's okay. We'd love for you to blow this like, up. Like, um, uh, what's his face? Uh, the, the actor who played. Oded um, Fair? Uh, Oded Fair. Oded Fair should have just laughed at him, walked up to him, given him a hug, and they should have both blown up together. What was that like the how it should have ended? Yes. You know, that series? Yeah. Honestly, if they're so committed to this. Yes. That, that really should have been it. If they are okay with any of them getting shot and dying for this, then they would have been... If any, totally fine for with that. any number of them getting shot and dying, then they would have been perfectly fine with Brendan Fraser killing himself via yeah, suicide. Yeah, then we wouldn't have had a movie. Yes, but that was a pretty big plot hole. <laughs> and I forgot yeah. because of piranhas. <laughs> no, seriously though, like, yeah, that, that drove me nuts. It's like... You're not very good at your job, guys. It's like you had one job, and then they spend the rest of the movie like Oded Fair, and then the um the other dude uh who who is uh, works at the museum, oh, um, yeah. bald dude who I always forget. He's like in so many things and I forget his name. But basically, they spend the whole rest of the movie basically bitching at these guys for like, well, like, you've unleashed no. the apocalypse. You guys dropped the ball. You had one job. You literally had one job and you and didn't honestly, do it. And honestly, you know, they kind of did them a favor because they resurrected Emotep and then they took his immortality away and now he's no longer a problem anymore. Or maybe that's what they were mad about is because now they're out of jobs. Hmm. Yeah. Dang, Brendan Fraser taking our jobs. <laughs> Turkerjers! <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, you've just collapsed the whole Magi economy. The Medjay economy. Uh, <laughs> yes. Well, I guess with that, do we want to end it there? Yeah. <laughs> Let's end it on a high point. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. Bye. And I wonder if it really was. I think it was always was show business. I think they were pretending to be factories, and it was still show business. I heard myself speaking these terrible corny lines, and there I was stuck with $350,000 worth of show, and I had to get on somehow. Plus, at the time, oh, they were real jerks. Plus, plus, at the time, really pieces of work. Plus, plus, at the time. Did you see Armageddon? I assure you that I would rather have been shot. Plus, plus, at the time. Did you see Armageddon? I assure you that I would rather have been shot. I really did, because he was a monster. But they all were, or almost all of them, those guys. He came on as a monster, you know. He snarled at you, you know, like that. Plus, plus, at the time. He was a monster, you know, like that. Plus, plus, at the time. I assure you that I would rather have been shot. Follow us on Twitter at MWNS Podcast or contact us at MWNS Podcast at ProtonMail.com. All music used in this episode is produced by Young Carts and used with license. <laughs>